on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we're exploring Switzerland with Globus. Yes, we dabble in the delights of Zurich and discover the gems of the national capital, Bern. We take you to the birthplace for one of the undisputed greatest rock anthems of all time, and Nestle chocolate. We showcase Charlie Chaplin plus Freddie Mercury and we swing through the glittery sights of the Swiss Riviera. There's a lot to do, so let's get exploring with Choice Touring by Globus. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. You are indeed. Good to see you, Michael. (laughs) Andrew, do you know how excited I am to see you? (laughs) Uh, it's all about Switzerland this week and escorted touring with Globus. You didn't answer my question. I didn't. Move on. We've both been away. We so have. I've been missing the sippy factor in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, anyway, Switzerland. Hello, Switzerland. Hello, Heidi. Mm. Hello, Globus. Indeed. Um, I recently enjoyed a week-long romp through Switzerland and northern Italy with Globus in their new Alps Out Loud Escorted to a product. Alps Out Loud. What a cool name. Now, Choice Touring by Globus is a recent innovation, promising travellers all the wonders of a perfectly planned tour, but with an extra level of freedom and flexibility. Yes, this is the big change. So alongside your standard guided sightseeing experiences of the banner attractions. Which, let's face it, some people go, oh, it's going to be just go here, go there, go. That's true. Um, There is this extra layer, the added bonus of what uh, Globus call your choice excursions. So what it means is you can curate your touring itinerary with Globus by selecting from a range of optional excursions so you can make it more tailored to your own interests and passions. The biggest challenge, Andrew, I found was choosing what excursions best (laughs) suited me because there was this fabulous array of options and I felt like it was trying to pick my favourite gelato flavour. I mean, what do you leave out? Your favourite gelato flavour. Exactly. That's a very nice comparison. Is there such a thing as a bad gelato flavour? You know what I mean? I know what you're saying. So, you know, would I go for a tour of Swiss chocolate, wine or cheese? What about Milan's fashion houses or Como's legendary villas? (sighs) So many options. Indeed. Now, what about your fellow travellers? What was it was, you know, did you have quite a few different nationalities. Yeah, it was interesting actually. A very perky group of travellers, I have to say. Perky's good. Yeah, I think we were all sort of uh, basking in the sense of revenge tourism. (laughs) We're back and we're proud of it. Um, And we've been waiting a goddamn long time. (laughs) So there were about 30 of us on this fabulous Globus tour. From where? Mostly the United States. Okay. There was a great guy, Al, uh, from New Jersey. And he was like something out of The Godfather. He really? was hilarious. So good. Um, there were a scattering, a scattering of Canadians. And I know this sounds really cliche. A scattering of Canadians. <laughs> I like that. Like it, was, it was American dominant, a scattering of Canadians, and a couple of 
Singaporeans and a Kiwi. Um, right. But I thought it was so cliche. Because, did we all walk into a bar together? Well, that, pretty much, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes, we did. Um, but it was so cliche because, like, the Americans were loud and proud. Mm-hmm. The Canadians were a bit like New Zealanders, a little bit more reserved and quiet and polite. <laughs> and the Singaporeans were on the best behaviour, uh, as you get in Singapore. <laughs> but it was also very interesting uh, in terms of the age ranges. I thought, um, okay, I'll be travelling with, you know, your 55-plus your 65-plus market. The Blue Rinse Brigade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was so diverse. It was a real broad church. There were 30-somethings on my tour, which made me feel old, um, mm-hmm. right through to you know your late 70s. But we loved those your-choice excursions because our team of 30 suddenly sort of like morphed into like small groups of 10 on a lot of those be like high school, the click groups. It was. It was. <laughs> who's who, who? Who are the cool kids? Yeah. And who's doing something really naff? Yeah. Um, but yeah, those small group encounters with those your choice excursions, they really do heighten the intimacy of the experience. Now, Globus ensures that all logistics are taken care of. The accommodation, of course, was going to be excellent. And local expert guides lead the way by enriching the experience with their, you know, their commanding and knowledgeable insights. Yeah, they were so good. And our tour director, uh, Mike, who we are going to be talking to next week, he was just so unflappable. He was like the human glue that stitched the whole experience together. Fantastic insights, a true passionate traveller himself, uh, with lots of in-the-know recommendations wherever we happen to be. Right, we'll talk to Mike for glue next week. Right now, we'll talk about Zurich. Zurich, very, very cool place, known for a lot of things, including clocks, and it's the big Swiss gateway city, right? What What yeah. is cool about Zurich? Well, I think it's a really elegant city. They've got that magnificent river, the Limart, that sort of slashes right through the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. And then there are those assortment of medieval guild halls, which I really think are the emblems of Zurich because these speak to the city's backstory as a powerhouse of merchandise, lots of merchants. So these guild halls reach back to the 1300s and they line both sides of the Limart River. Very handsome buildings, great fun to explore with all of the intricate and ornate decorative features. Now, there seems to be a guild hall for every maker of merchandise. The Baker's Guild, the Builder's Guild, the Winemaker's Guild. You would have liked that. The Weavers, the Painters, the Saddle Makers, the <laughs> Spice Merchants. And on it goes. Yeah, I know. It's like um, a nursery rhyme, really, isn't it? But they are so emblematic of Zurich. Many of them today, these guild halls, have been repurposed into galleries and eateries, so you can have a really good look inside them. Now, Switzerland is known for clocks and watches and Zurich in particular and they have got a very nice big clock in Zurich. I love a big clock. You do. Riding the skyline, the historic tower of St. Peter's Church is imbued with a very trusty timepiece. This is legendary. Yes, this is the largest church clock face in Europe. Mm. So the four sides of the tower each have a clock face. They are bigger than the timepiece on Big Ben. So oh, it's if, not on Big Ben. Big Ben is the bell. Oh, it's yes. on the North Tower of Westminster, which right. is now quick. Anyway. Big Ben's clock faces are smaller than those of St. Peter's in Zurich. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Thank you. And then you've got 
church bells by the shedload <laughs> all over Zurich, <laughs> and they loudly reverberate across the old town. It's like a bellathon. Oh, lovely! Um, so you've got four historic churches, including St Peter's, in the mighty Groschmünster Cathedral. So it's like the Battle of the Bells in Zurich, and it's a bloody racket for the unsuspecting. <laughs> yeah, no wonder everything runs to time in Zurich. Nothing misses a beat. Being part of, a, you know, the German-speaking side of Switzerland, mm. the Wurst would be pretty good. The Wurst experience would be good. See what it did there. <laughs> Even though it's pronounced Wurst. Yeah, but, well, Wurst, Wurst. Wurst, 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 East. West, <sighs> the Vorst, the street food tradition of Vorst. Get back on track, Michael. Remains wildly popular, particularly for lunch. So in the old town, Andrew, I stuffed myself into some very snazzy sausages at Vorsteria. Now, this is like right. a, this is like part butcher shop, part deli. My kind of place. It is indeed. And it serves up super spicy bratwurst in a big, long, fluffy bun. Ooh. So good. I can yeah. certainly see why bratwurst is staple diet territory in these parts. And it is so, mm. so good. Mm. Right. Favourite cafes. And there are a, to use your phrase, a shed load of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, culture is writ large in Zurich and in the old town. The narrow cobbled streets gave rise to the Dada art movement yes. just over a century ago. Now, the reason I mention this is because there's a really cool place called Cabaret Voltaire, which is more like um, sort of like a cafe come bar than a than a cabaret per se. But it was the birthplace of Dada and the avant-garde artistic movement. Absinthe is the drink of choice in this uh, joint. Indeed, indeed yeah. it is. And also, Dada is an album name of. Alice Cooper, which was named after Sorry. the avant-garde. There you go. Yeah. And a very, very famous <laughs> art movement too. There is also Cafe 1842, an old school establishment of sweet indulgence. Mm. It's like the neo-baroque designed patisserie. patisserie. Yeah. Palace. Yeah. It's like yeah. a palace, this place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is indeed. The cakes and the tarts. Can't go past a good tart. Uh, they're like art pieces. Instagram perfection. Yeah. Some people just go there to fill their feeds, like social media feeds, not their mouth. Well, at the same time. Yeah. Yes. The cafe spans four floors. Now, they claimed when I was there that they serve Zurich's best hot chocolate, which uh, I thought was a, a very uh, bullish yeah, claim. It's a big claim. And did they? Well, I glugged down on two steaming mugs of hot chocolate. I thought I should have a second just to double check. Oh, you'd have to. Yes. The veracity of this claim. Be rude not to. Uh, you've got to have the hot chocolate with whipped cream in Ooh, Zurich. Yes, yes, indeed. And it was magnificent. Fantastic. Yes. Speaking of chocolate, Zurich is the home of Lint. Yes, the Lint and Sprungli factory. I love that word, Sprungli. That's yeah. my word of the week. Sprungli. Sprungli. I think, I think like if you had a, like a Labradoodle dog, <laughs> I think Sprungli would be such. Well, actually, if you had two, if you had two, you'd call one Lint and the other Sprungli. We really do go to some weird places on this <laughs> podcast, I must say. 
Uh, anyway, yes, uh, they, well done. The, the Linton Sprungli factory has called Zurichome since the 18th, and, yeah. 18, no, the 19th century. Oh, dear. <laughs> and seven years in the making, what did you put in that hot chocolate, by yes, the way? And seven years in the making, a recent addition is the Interactive Museum, Lint Home of Chocolate, which does a sterling job telling the story of Swiss chocolate making. And we know that Swiss chocolate is, you know, yep. not only about Lint but it's predecessors. Yes. There are lots of tastings. Ah. Best of all, the world's <laughs> largest chocolate fountain. Oh. I felt like Willy Wonka and Charlie and Veruca and Mike TV. I felt like all of them from the chocolate factory as <laughs> I stood in front of, front of this showstopper. Did they have a great glass elevator? No, oh, and no Oompa oh. Loompas. Oh, no. Apparently, it's not politically correct anymore to employ Oompa Loompas. <laughs> oh, apparently not. Although they might still do that in Qatar. Um, yes. A 30-foot-tall <laughs> chocolate gushing fountain. What more could you want in life? No, this is what? what you will find at Lint. As we say, every home should have one. I know. I'm sure I'm not the only one, by the way, who, when I was there, just sort of reflexively opened my mouth. <laughs> 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 well, I gazed at this big gusher. Oh, dear. <sighs> Not far from Zurich, Europe's biggest waterfall, which isn't chocolate, but it is the Rhine Falls. Yes. I tell you what, if you are in Zurich, uh, as we did with Globus, you've got to take this little side, strip, uh, side trip to this widely slung body of water. If you've been to Niagara or Iguazu, the Rhine Falls are more like a rotary hose than a fire hydrant. <laughs> but they are very, very pretty because you've got this string of architectural confections wrapped around the waterfalls, various castles, some of them over a 1,000 years old, purpose-built for a great view of the falls. Lovely. Yeah. A great example is Schloss. Lofen, mm. which dates back to the 9th century, overlooks the thundering water and adorning this time-worn castle, a panoramic glass elevator. See, we do have a glass elevator. No Oompa Loompas. No. It's been, it's been installed to shoot you right up high yes. uh, for the crowning view. I actually thought it was going to shoot through the roof. It just felt that sort of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sort yeah, of vibe. Uh, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. Maybe I'd been at the chocolate fountain too long. <laughs> but I reckon the best observation deck of all is right in the middle of the water flow. So there is this... What? <laughs> there is this mighty fang of rock called Mittelfelsen, and you can get a little quick boat ride across the river. Then you trundle up about 100 steps on this fang of rock, the Mittelfelsen, and you've got this fantastic, dramatic lookout platform right on top of it. It's a must-do. Right. Hmm. Coming up as we showcase touring with Globus, we head to the Swiss Riviera and the federal capital of Bern. Back in a mo. This is Kiwi Trips, does Mike and Andrew, as we romp around Switzerland with Globus. Let's head to the capital city, Bern, which from a distance looks like a floating city. Oh, yes, it does. Mm. This compact island city dons that appearance because you've got the bending arc of the River Ah, which lassoes around the old town. Mm. And from the steep slopes of the hills that rise up from the old town, yeah, you sort of like look down on this floating 
blob of <laughs> urban humanity. <laughs> that was a really picturesque way of describing <laughs> it. Until you said floating blob. Yeah, blob's never an attractive word, is it? Not really. Burn is a floating beauty. A there vision of red-roofed townhouses and manicured gardens tumbling down uh, to that liquid jade river. Yeah. And the reason, as a lot of New Zealanders can um, appreciate, the reason for the colour of that river, glacial. Mm. Yeah, oh, very nice. Glacial, glacial blob. Yeah, yeah. A, a beautiful glacial blob, <laughs> this river. Anyway, yes, you've got this vast stash of medieval architecture in Bern, the dramatic topography, and all of this has driven many a passing visitor to prose. So when it comes to first impressions, I really think Bern knocks it out of the park. Now, I love bears. Bears are great, as in the animal, not the drink. Mm. Very magnificent animals. Mm. What's up with bear park? Yes. Now, when you want to get that view down onto the old town from the hillside slopes, a really good option is to go to bear park because it serves up the most magnificent vista. But the main reason people go to bear park, as the name would suggest, is to look at the town's mascot. Mm. So... Uh, they call it the Baden Graben, um, and the bear has been Boone's mascot for centuries. Ever since the town's founder dispatched his hunters into the surrounding woods and promised to name the city after the first animal they slayed. Right, go out, kill an animal, we'll yeah. name the town after it. Yeah, as you Lovely. do. Mm. And the Bear Park is currently home to a family of brown Eurasian bears, Boone's living mascots. Yes, Finn. Bjork and their daughter Ursina. Now there was another daughter. Oh, yes. Berna. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad Berna. Why bad Berna? Well, Berna was moved to, to another zoo because she and her mother clashed rather violently. Mm. And apparently it was the daughter that started the fights. Um, so the idea of, you know, Berna and Mummy going hammer and tongs wasn't really conducive to the idea of Bear Park being a nice tourist crowd pleaser. Not really. <laughs> so Berna was sent packing. Oh dear. Yeah. So even if you don't approve of bears being used as shameless tourist bait, go there for the view. Um, after enjoying those hillside views, venture into the old town and you will discover Bern is a very arcaded city. Yes. The historic old town is like a cobweb of arcaded streets, six kilometres of them. So if you've been to Bologna or Turin, for example, in Italy, mm. you'll see the similarity because these arcaded streets were very much purpose-built to provide like a trusty refuge uh, when the heavens open up and uh, Bern is a very rainy city. Yes. Small wooden slat doors are open on the street for those who want to cruise down into these cave-like dwellings. Yes, this is the underground uh, network of businesses that operate below uh, those covered promenades, those arcaded streets. So they've got this little network of like subterranean businesses. How lovely. Now, there's some very cool underground boutiques and bars. Einstein's House is also a popular draw. Yeah, this would be one of the big draw cards in the old town, and you'll see the crowds just routinely swell outside his old house. He lived in Bern when he discovered and published his theory of relativity and was awarded the Nobel Prize. So I had to satisfy my inner geek sensibilities, Andrew. I went uh, for a walk through his apartment, very well preserved, lots of period furnishings, and his house is on Kramgas 
which is one of Burns' most picturesque old streets. Now, that street is adorned with a series of amazing water fountains. They seem to like their fountains in this part of the world. Crowned with all manner of characters, including Beers, Samson, a bagpiper, and rather graphically, a flesh-eating ogre seemingly swallowing a small child. Trigger warning, possibly here. Uh, that's a fountain you won't forget in a hurry. No, the children of Burns certainly don't. In fact, apparently over the centuries, if a child of Burn has been misbehaving, uh, there have been many a parent in Burn who has taken them down to that fountain. <laughs> this is what will happen to you. Yeah, a bit of yeah. correctional training. Yeah. Uh, I know. Okay. Now, the world's oldest horological puppet show is right here. So, what, a horological puppet show, Michael. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think it means? This is word of the day, folks. Horological. Tell us, Michael, what is a horological puppet show? <laughs> it's a puppet show that helps to tell the time. <laughs> We are in Switzerland, after all. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, always those bells again, the bells, the bells, I hear the bells. The bells, the bells. So this is a cherished pastime in Bern. For nearly 600 years, people gather four minutes before the hour in front of the world's oldest and biggest horological puppet show. It's housed in Bern's magnificent clock tower, the Zietglogger. And this is where you will see the spectacle. Every hour, a lavish parade of mechanical beers, Jesters, emperors, and Giuseppe's <laughs> all put on an animated performance. It is fanciful, but it's a time-honoured folly, and it doesn't miss a beat. Of course it doesn't. Mm. Now, there's a curious hotel next to the Parliament, the Bellevue Palace Hotel. This neoclassical treasure chest is actually owned by the state and has been on the front line of so much history. Yeah, it's sort of got a museum quality to it, so it's right next to the Bundeshaus, the Parliament, and the hotel became a focal point of the warring powers' diplomatic and intelligence activities in Switzerland. So during World War II, one half of the restaurant catered to Allied guests, and the other half, patrons from the Axis states. And there's all sorts of stories to be told about what went on in that hotel during the war years. If the weather is behaving, head outdoors onto the Bellevue Terrace for coffee and cake because you will get another kick-ass view, this one drinking in the wide, wide views of the Bernese Alps shuffling on the horizon. There we go. Now, stay with us. We're off to Lake Geneva's glittery resort towns along with the birthplace for one of the greatest rock anthems of all time. It's coming up next. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Experience choice touring by Globus for yourself. 2023 departures on the Alps Out Loud, Switzerland and Lake Como by Design Tour are open for bookings. Enjoy touring by private air-conditioned motorcoach, outstanding excursions, some meals and seven nights first-class hotel accommodation. Don't delay, head to globustours.co.nz. You're back with Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. How did the eastern shores of Lake Geneva earn the nickname of the Swiss Riviera, Michael? How was this possible? This is the question of the day. It is. Well, the Swiss Riviera's glitzy lakeside towns 
were first thrust onto the Grand Tour route about 200 years ago. So the Riviera, as we know it today, was very much born out of all of the prose and poetry, waxing lyrical about the area by the likes of Lord Byron, Tolstoy, and even Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, yes. (laughs) So they've always had sort of like a magnetizing effect with the rich and famous, this stretch of Lake Geneva, rock stars to writers. They have lured the rich and famous for centuries, and you've got the swag of Ballypock hotels anchoring this great glittery playground. And not too dissimilar to the French Riviera, you can sort of make your way from one sparkly resort town to the next on the Riviera trains. A great starting point is Chillon Castle. This enchanting castle looks like it's been lifted from the pages of a Hans Christian Andersen story. This mighty medieval brooch pinned to the lake edge. That's a lovely turn of phrase. Thank you so much. Can you see it? I can. Was that Theatre of the Mind? It was very much Theatre of the Mind, Michael. mighty medieval brooch pinned to the lake edge. Don't overdo it. Okay. Okay. It's getting tired now. (laughs) And my Globus tour um, included a riveting guided tour through Xion. It's a beautiful place with a very brooding heart. So it was built by Peter II of Savoy, and Xion is considered today one of the best-preserved medieval castles of Europe. Now, most of the castle dates from the 13th century, a bastion for the Dukes of Savoy, who charged taxes on the passing transalpine trade. Yes. Ingenious little buggers. Yes, exactly. A lot of ticket clipping going on there. Uh, And over time, Xion transformed from a grim military fortress and tax-collecting office to elegant residence and prison. So when you do the tour inside, and we have this fantastic guide with us, um, you'll see all of the medieval luxuries of the day, uh, including latrines plunging into Lake Geneva. Not particularly environmentally friendly. Not really. Magnificent tapestries. I do want a big tapestry for Christmas. Can I just put that on the record? I thought you wanted a Batman car. That was last year's wish, wasn't it? It might have been. Anyway. No, that was my birthday wish, was it? Oh, of course. It still hasn't come. No. Um, You've got ornate four-poster beds, of course. Mantled chimneys. Now, this is important, folks. (laughs) A mantled chimney. (laughs) Now, this was a double-edged innovation, allowing the castle residents to enjoy fire-warmed rooms. Oh, very posh. Otherwise, they, you know, would smoke themselves out. (laughs) So very posh back in the day, yes. Okay. Xion proudly displays its military arsenal from the Middle Ages, including the crossbow, famously synonymous with Swiss freedom fighter William Tell. Uh, So-called sorcerers were tried and tortured here. Yes. There's a bit going on. Certainly. The most famous prisoner of Xion, Francois Bonnevard, Now, he was immortalised in Lord Byron's poem, The Prisoner of Xion. This is what triggered a lot of people to take an interest in Xion Castle. So he was locked up because he tried to whip up an independence movement in Geneva. And people didn't like that who were in charge at the time. Oh, no. So when Lord Byron visited the castle in 1816, he was inspired to write this poem. And that soon became a rallying cry for freedom right across Europe. Now, when wealthy Victorians were doing their grand tour, inspired by Lord Byron and other romantics, they would tour Xion's prison, which was still full of inmates. They would clamber all over them. Incredible. Just imagine doing that today at Paremoremo, for Uh, example. Oh, no. Not really a crowd puller, I don't think. (laughs) Um, 
But the pillars, it's amazing. When you go into the prison there today, the pillars inside it are scrawled with the autographs of delinquent residents and visitors. Some of those grand tour visitors <laughs> thought, oh, I'll leave my autograph here. Um, as one does. As one does. So you can see, like, you know, Wordsworth, Dickens, Mark Twain, Goethe, they all visited the prison when it was still operating. And yes, it's still a huge draw today. No inmates included today. Oh, dear. Right next door, the resort town of Montreux, synonymous with Freddie Mercury. Yes. This gilded lakeside resort town oozes X Factor. And in the 80s, Freddie relocated here from London uh, to escape the jaws of starry-eyed fans and the paparazzi. Indeed. Now, the locals loved having the superstar in residence, and he remained living in Montreux till the day he died in 1991. There's a magnificent and very famous bronze statue of Freddie striking a trademark pose. I think he's got that microphone and wearing the, uh, the, the yellow jacket. And it's in the heart of the town. Yeah. Yeah. Very much pride of place. Um, and it's plastered with tributes and candles and love notes. It's just like this shrine that just keeps being replenished uh, by um, visitors. I spoke to a whole lot of locals who, I have to say, are seriously pissed that the movie Bohemian Rhapsody totally spurned Montreux. Yeah. They just totally um, overlooked the important role Montreux played in Freddie Mercury's life uh, for the last, what, 10 years or so of his life. Yeah. Now, the Queen Museum is there as well. Yes. This is a headline attraction at Montreux. Queen, the studio experience. So this is based in the former Mountain Studios, which is where Queen recorded at various times. Brian May actually opened the museum about a decade ago, so it's definitely worth a visit, packed with memorabilia related to the rock band. Now, every year on September 5, the town honours Freddie Mercury's birthday with a Freddie celebration, thronging with concerts and visiting celebs and all the bits and pieces that Freddie would have loved. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Brian May's a a, a feature uh, every year at the Freddie celebration. Speaking of music, another sightseeing essential is the Montreux Casino. Ah. Freddie would often go there actually uh, for the best cocktails. But of course, this casino inspired one of the greatest rock anthems of all time. Yes, 1971, during a concert by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, a rocket flare was fired into the ceiling of the casino, and the entire building was soon engulfed by flames, hence why the casino looks so modern today. Basically rebuilt. Now, this was immortalised in a song lyric called Some Stupid with a Flare Gun Burnt the Place to the Ground. (laughs) Yes. Smoke from the fire spread right across Lake Geneva, Ian Gillen and the rest of Deep Purple watched the spectacle from their hotel room and the song Smoke on the Water was born. True story. (laughs) I always think of Woodford Glen. Yes. Yeah, just out of Christchurch. Woodford Glen used to have that as a theme song. They did. Indeed. Just ahead, we have more Riviera adventures to share, including wine and Charlie Chaplin. Mm, Intriguing. Don't go away. You're back, we're back. This is Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, just north of Montreux, the neighbouring town of Vive, which is the home of Nestle chocolate. Nestle in Vive. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes it rhymes. Well done, Michael. Thank you. 
an evocative old town is Veve. She's an old charmer. Yes. The little minx. Yes. Very nice to explore on foot, uh, following in the footsteps of Charlie Chaplin. Graham Greene. Victor Hugo. Ernest Hemingway. Who were all enchanted by Veve for a slice of local life, head to Café de la Clef, mm. the landmark café of Veve. Indeed. <laughs> Have some Nestle in the cafe in Veve. Enjoy some libations as well <laughs> as you drink in the views of the pillared marketplace out front. And if you want to have a bit of a sort of signature local nosh, you can't go wrong with fresh perch from the lake or a hearty cheese fondue. Oh, very hearty, Michael. Now, you mentioned Charlie Chaplin gracing the lakeside promenade. A statue by John Doubleday commemorates Charlie's second home. A life-size statue erected in his honour represents the little tramp in baggy pants, the character Chaplin made famous. Uh, Gazing out his favourite view of Lake Geneva and the snow-clad Alps. Yes. Now, Chaplin moved here to Vevey from the US in the 50s, in part to escape accusations of communist sympathies. And I mean, there's some similarities with Freddie Mercury in terms of looking for a refuge. Mm, uh, mm. Vive remained his base until he died in the late 70s. And you can see his grave in the local cemetery. Even better than that, though, definitely check out Chaplin's World, the only such museum which is housed in his former estate, just up the hillside from Vive, peppered with letters and photos and original furnishings. The home also has some lifelike wax figures of Charlie and some of his famous friends like Albert Einstein. But I tell you what, the best thing of all, the home movies. Oh, yeah. Of Chaplin and his family. They are just so cool. Our Globus tour, by the way, was based at Modern Times Hotel, which is very close to Chaplin's world. And the whole hotel has been artfully themed in honour of Charlie Chaplin. It was amazing. Now, for a change of scenery, which I notice has been so far absent on this podcast, drinkies, uh, what about the Laval Vineyards? Oh, take me there now. Right. Clinging to the steep slopes rising up from the lake, 500 metres high vineyards. Vineyards, vineyards, vineyards. So, so there were some vineyards there, Michael? There was. Oh, good. Very, there, was, there was a grape or two. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so this is the most extraordinary landscape, so much that it's been protected by UNESCO. It is celestial. And you've got these incredible terraced vineyards, as I say, 500 metres high, uh, rising up from the lake, and they're all bolstered by ancient stone walls. The dominant varietal, by the way, is Chasselas. Chassala. Chassala. Yes. A very old... I've never heard of that. No, I was completely unaware of it, but it's a very, very old native Swiss grape variety which originated on Geneva's shores. So now, that's what you'll be drinking. Now, Lavo's winemakers are um, family-owned businesses. Yes. Produce supremely delicate whites, ranging from sweet and honey to mineral bitter, depending where on the warm slopes of Lake Geneva the wine is being grown. Well, yeah. the grapes are being grown. Indeed, yeah. It's incredible how it can change the, the taste profile based on you know height, how much sunlight they're getting. It's amazing what you learn about all things wine making. Um, these exquisitely scenic terraced vineyards benefit from the sun and the warming rays three times over apparently. Hey. So, I know. I couldn't get this through my head until I had a sit down and a glass of water. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get the rays coming straight from the sun. Some of the terraced vineyards get rays bouncing off Lake Geneva. Ah. And also some vineyards get a third dose of solar energy from the radiated heat of the stone walls. So that's what can also change the flavour profile uh, of their wines. That um, makes sense, yeah. Interestingly, Switzerland exports less than 5%. Well, they drink the rest. Pretty much. Oh, good on them. So if you do want to taste it, particularly this unfamiliar variety to Andrew and I, mm. Chasseler, uh, you've got to do it at Laveau, and you can't go wrong. Swiss people, by the way, believe that if you don't look the person in the eye when you clink glasses, you will have very bad sex for seven <laughs> long years. <laughs> What? Sorry, what? So <laughs> you have to look the person in the eye when you clink glasses yes. or you're going to have bad sex for seven years. Yes. I made inquiries as to how they'd established this. <laughs> Did they have a bit of a hands up? Right. But <laughs> they are sticklers for it. So when you're toasting someone, yeah. you've got to eyeball them. Otherwise, it could be a diminished... Bad nookie. Bad looking life. Bad nookie. Bad nookie. Mm. Well, there you go. Mm. Things you learn on Kiwi Tripsters. Yes. Things you didn't know, you didn't know. We are here to surf. Indeed we are. Uh, thanks for joining us on Kiwi Tripsters once again. You'll see our show notes on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. The articles on the topics we have chatted about. <laughs> the rich tapestry of topics. <laughs> Uh, including Zurich, Bern, and the Swiss Riviera. And the Ca- Swiss Guide to Good Nookie. Yes. <laughs> and Good Cafes in Veve with mm. Nestle. Yes. All of that can be found on our companion website, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. Yes. And there are so many of them. There are. Whatever one you prefer, give us your feedback on that. We feast on your feedback. We do. Yes. Now, before we go, be in to win our Lonely Planet giveaway, the creme de la creme of travel books, the Italy Guide. Very, very nice. Answer this question. What Swiss Riviera resort town features a life-size statue of Freddie Mercury? Oh. Not the Charlie Chaplin one, yeah. the Freddie Mercury so one. So it wasn't Veve, was it? No. 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 I think it might begin with someone's... First name's letter. And what? it's not Andrew. <laughs> Send us a message yes. with your bold guess on what city we're talking about or town. Now, you send us the message on the Kiwi Tripsters Facebook page. I think I've been standing in front of that Linton Sprungly chocolate fountain too long. Um, so go to the Kiwi Tripsters Facebook page, send us a message there with the correct <laughs> answer beginning with M, and you're in the drawer. Good luck. Could that be any more complicated? Ah, oh. Right. You've got to be into win, so off you go, chop, chop. And we hope to catch you again next week for a fresh episode when we scoot through northern Italy with Globus. Yes. And we'll have a chat to the tour director as well. Oh, Mike the Glue. Yes, Mike <laughs> the Glue. I'm sure he appreciates us calling him that. I'm sure he does. Yes. All right. Take care. See you. Aru. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? 
Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Thank you.